we begin chapter 3 of the book of Ruth. As before, I will recite the entire chapter, and then we will go back and look at some of the highlights. Chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek a home for you, that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman, with whose maidens you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. And do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had told her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Spread your garment over your maidservant, for you are next of kin. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of worth. And now it is true that I am a near kinsman, yet there is a kinsman nearer than I. Remain this night, and in the morning, if he will do the part of the next of kin for you, well, let him do it. But if he is not willing to do the part of the next of kin for you, then, as the Lord lives, I will do the part of the next of kin for you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but rose before one could recognize her. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring your mantle you are wearing, and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley, and laid it upon her. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. As we begin chapter 3, Naomi is still seeking the best interests of Ruth, that is, to provide security and relief from poverty, and so instructs her to approach Boaz, since he is the kinsman-redeemer. In a real sense, that is what we as Christians are called to do, to know where true relief and security are found, and not to keep it to ourselves, but share with those who are in need. That is the highest form of charity. In verses 3 and 4, 
Naomi then advises Ruth to signal an end to her grieving as a widow by washing her face, anointing herself, and putting on her best garments before she goes to the threshing floor to meet Boaz. This is very wise counsel from Naomi, as she wants to have Ruth well prepared for her encounter and presented in such a way that Boaz will be drawn that there will be intimacy in the sense of Boaz taking up his responsibility as kinsman-redeemer. This advice also applies to us as regards our spiritual relationship with God. It is true that God accepts us as we are and draws us by his grace, but we also have a part to play, that is, preparing ourselves, removing any obstacles that may be in the way, whether it is bad habits, sin, or unforgiveness. We are called, in a spiritual sense, to cleanse ourselves, repent, and attend the sacrament of reconciliation frequently, always trying to intensify the intimacy between us and our God. As regards a change of clothes, that can represent putting on Christ and becoming a new creation. As St. Paul states in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, quote, Clothe yourselves unto the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. End of quote. Notice in verse 9, when Boaz asks, Who are you? She answers, I am Ruth, your maidservant, referring to herself by her new identity, not a foreigner from Moab, but the maidservant of Boaz, an Israelite. Earlier in chapter 2, verse 13, Ruth could not consider herself even to rise to the level of Boaz's servant. That is what we are called to do as well, to recognize our new identity in Christ, put off the old and put on the new. As St. Paul states in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, quote, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come, end of quote. As regards anointing, for Ruth, that was a kind of perfume, making herself attractive to Boaz and signaling her desire for marriage. For us, anointing has to do more with the grace of the Holy Spirit dwelling within, bringing us the fragrance of God's holiness. To draw out the point even more sacramentally, we can say these three elements, washing, anointing, and putting on a new garment, are the main aspects of baptism, which makes us a new creation, uniting us intimately with the Lord. That is why, at every Mass, by dipping our fingers into the baptismal font and making the sign of the cross, we renew our baptism. This is especially the case at the Easter Vigil, when our baptismal vows are formally renewed and accompanied by the sprinkling rite. We are a vowed people. We are a new creation in Christ. The sacrament of baptism is meant to be lived out continuously and in increasing measure. Getting back to our text, in verse 4, Naomi instructs Ruth to go to the threshing floor, and after Boaz has finished eating and drinking, Carefully observe the place where he lies, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down. 
This is also good counsel for us in the spiritual life. Having prepared ourselves and approached the Lord with prayer requests, we trust fully, waiting for the Holy Spirit to tell us what to do. In verse 5, Ruth replies, All that you say I will observe. Notice, again, the virtues being manifested. Ruth is obedient, because although Naomi's advice may seem strange, Ruth knows that Naomi is a godly woman of integrity, and therefore can be trusted. The virtues of obedience, trust, and integrity all work together, virtue upon virtue, relied upon by each of the characters for their benefit, and ultimately for the common good. And so Ruth goes down to the threshing floor and lays at the feet of Boaz. This reminds us of Luke chapter 10, verse 39, where Mary sat at the feet of Jesus to be near him and to listen to every word that he said. And Jesus replied, You have chosen the better part. When we pray, Lord, I lay this at your feet, it is a similar act of submission, humility, and trust. In chapter 3, verse 8 of the book of Ruth, at midnight Boaz was startled and turned over to behold a woman laying at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Spread your garment over your maidservant, for you are next of kin. This is parallel to chapter 2, verse 12, where Boaz replies, The Lord recompense you for what you have done, and a future reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The word for garment in chapter 3, verse 9, is the same as the word for wings in chapter 2, verse 12. The fact that Ruth seeks protection from Boaz and refers to herself as your maidservant, again reflects humility. This is what we are to say humbly to Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. For Ruth, it was actually a signal that she desired marriage. And this is what Jesus Christ desires for us, an intimate relationship of love. In fact, from the beginning to the end, the Bible relates how God wants to marry us. In the prophet Hosea, for example, chapter 2, verse 19, God says, I will betroth you to me forever, and I will betroth you in righteousness, justice, and love, and in compassion. The Song of Songs is another example. When interpreted allegorically, it's entirely a meditation of praise on the mutual desire and covenant love between the Lord and Israel in marriage. That desire is embodied when the Word is made flesh. In fact, Jesus begins his ministry by referring to himself as the bridegroom and we the bride. In the book of Revelation, salvation history reaches its zenith when the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven as a bride prepared for her bridegroom, and heaven itself is described as a wedding feast. Revelation chapter 21, verse 2 states, quote, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, 
and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. St. Paul makes the point clear in Ephesians chapter 5, when after describing various aspects of marriage, ends by quoting Genesis chapter 2, going all the way back to the beginning, quote, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. End of quote. In chapter 3, Ruth, having obeyed Naomi, lays down at the feet of Boaz and asks that he spread his garment over his maidservant, for he is next of kin. In a sense, there is something very similar to this in the prophet Ezekiel chapter 16, starting at verse 8. God speaking, quote, When I passed by again, I looked upon you. Indeed, your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God. End of quote. In our relationship with God, may we come to lay at Jesus' feet each morning, praying, Lord, I am your maidservant. Take me under your wing. And he will, telling us what to do that we may find refuge. The response of Boaz to Ruth's initiatives, starting in verse 10, is beautiful. Quote, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of worth. End of quote. This description of Ruth as a woman of worth is similar to how Boaz himself was introduced in chapter 2, verse 1. And so we see the value of witness. Like attracting like. Ruth had been loyal to her mother-in-law, which came to the attention of Boaz and to the community, so that everyone knew she was a woman of character. That drew Boaz to Ruth, and he blessed her by the very Lord that he worshipped, bringing Ruth into a relationship with Yahweh and his blessings. When Boaz says, You have made this last kindness greater than the first, he is actually referring to the hesed that Ruth showed at first to her mother-in-law, Naomi. He sees how her virtuous life is being manifested in greater and greater degrees. The townspeople, who also know of her integrity, are all Jews, extolling the virtues of a foreigner from Moab. And so again, the great value of witness. The same word used by Boaz to describe Ruth are repeated in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. Quote, Who can find a virtuous wife, for her worth is far above rubies? End of quote. In verse 12 of the book of Ruth, the tension increases when Boaz reveals to Ruth that there is yet a kinsman nearer than himself. Boaz's integrity will not allow 
is usurping the prior right of a nearer relative. At the same time, Boaz is determined to see that Ruth is protected. So in verse 13 he says, Remain this night, and in the morning, if he will do the part of the next of kin, well, let him do it. But if he is not willing to do the part of the next of kin for you, then as the Lord lives, I will do the part of the next of kin. Lie down until morning. Boaz is using here an oath formula with respect to his desire to redeem Ruth. Quote, As the Lord lives, drawing on the name of Yahweh and swearing an oath. As kinsman redeemer, we are reminded of how God in the Old Testament also swears oaths in favor of the patriarchs with respect to blessings. For example, the oath given to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 16 to 17, quote, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing will I bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. End of quote. The word seed, here in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 22, can refer to a large number of descendants in the plural, but can also refer to a single, unique descendant, the one who is to come, Christ, our kinsman redeemer. As we will see, the interplay of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz ensures that the ultimate destiny of the promise made in Genesis chapter 22 will be fulfilled, because the royal line of descent leading to Christ is protected. Chapter 3, verse 14 of the book of Ruth states, quote, Ruth lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before anyone could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that this woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the mantle you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and lay it upon her. Then she went into the city. End of quote. Notice that Boaz, being the man of integrity, safeguards Ruth's virtue by not allowing her to wander home in the dark. He provides her with grain, so that if anyone stops her on the way, they would know that in fact she was actually working in the field all day and not engaging in inequity. Boaz shields her integrity, and that is what love does. It cares about the other and their reputation. Boaz, furthermore, shows has said toward Ruth by going well beyond the expected so that Ruth would not leave empty-handed. In the Gospel, according to John chapter 10, verse 10, our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ, says, quote, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, end of quote. God is always providing us abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. The life of grace, participation in the divine trinity, now and in the beatific vision. In verse 17, 
Boaz says to Ruth, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And so the reversal spoken of by Naomi in chapter 1, verse 21, quote, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty, begins to be reversed. The chapter concludes with Naomi replying, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. The man will not rest, but settle the matter today. Naomi is able to say this because Boaz was known for his reliability. He had a reputation for promptly keeping his word. This guides the actions of Naomi in her advice to Ruth. Again, we see virtue upon virtue influencing the actions of others for the common good.